You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. We're uh, right in the thick of the second to last week. That means I know y'all are in the thick of your finals, your semifinals, your final push in your Roto Leagues and what have you. And uh, not many more opportunities to squeeze a little extra value out of your lineups, out of waivers. But I'm going to do my best uh, on this show today to help you do just that. Uh, And normally I don't look too far ahead on a Wednesday looking forward uh, to the next week. But since this is a critically important week, really the most important week for uh, for all of us here, uh, one last chance to maximize our lineups, our rotations, I am going to take a little bit of an earlier look, not a, a comprehensive look, but a look sort of around the margins on the uh, two-star pitchers for next week. And sort of combined with that, I'm going to take a look at schedules and particularly schedules for teams that uh, are either going to the playoffs or on the verge of clinching going to the playoffs or even just having a decent chance of going to the playoffs. So there's just a lot to get to here, a lot of it, a little bit more forward-looking than I typically do on a Wednesday, but uh, that's how I'm going to roll today. But uh, also lots of news to get to. Uh, the, the big, big story since my last show here on, uh, on Monday uh, is uh, the, the Trevor Story story. Uh, and and I'll try to uh, refrain from the puns because uh, we've had a lot of those along with with the news items uh, over the last couple of days. But uh, the initial report on Trevor Story was that he had had some damage to his UCL, which of course meant no more Trevor Story this year. Who knows how much uh, of next year Trevor Story would be able to play? But we have a much much happier, better update to give you here on the show this Wednesday. This is from Scott Miller uh, of Bleacher Report, and he says that Bud Black uh, says that the uh, MRI from Trevor Story shows that the joint is fine, that his UCL is intact, and there is no structural damage. That is fantastic news. And uh, furthermore, Bud Black says that he thinks he may have Story back in the lineup in a few days. So from the very, very selfish fantasy perspective, that's tremendous news because maybe there's a chance that he actually helps you in the final week of the season. So I, I want to pump the brakes on this a little bit. Uh, you know, this is one report here. Uh, it sounded pretty bad initially, so it's a little bit hard for me to believe that story's going to be back for all of next week. And if he is back, that he's necessarily going to be at full steam. But just the fact that there's even a chance of that is a, is a great development. So, Obviously, I'll be back with another update on Friday's show uh, to get you better prepared uh, on what to do with Trevor Story for the final week of the season. Uh, we still have yet to see Mookie Betts back in a game he did, was unavailable and so therefore did not play against the Yankees on Tuesday. However, according to Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com, uh, Betts is expected to DH for the Red Sox on Wednesday. I've not seen a lineup as of yet. So that's something that you should check on if you're listening to this uh, between, 
uh, well, sometime before uh, your setting lineups for Wednesday night. Uh, let's see. We've got a Lorenzo Kane update uh, from Todd, Rose, Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Craig Council says that Kane's been dealing with an intercostal issue. Uh, he sustained it a few days back uh, while taking a swing. So uh, I would assume that Kane is day to day, but I've not really seen any further information on him. And also uh, an update on Travis Shaw, who's dealing with the stiff knee. He had x-rays. Those came back negative. Uh, so it looks like we're looking at day-to-day situations for both Kane and Shaw. And just going a little bit uh, further west here on I-94 over to uh, the Twins. Uh, a couple of, or actually, I'm sorry, just, uh, well, yeah, a couple of updates from Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, both Eddie Rosario and Mitch Garver have been sent back to the Twin Cities. Uh, Rosario is going to go undergo an MRI on his injured right quad. Garver still dealing with concussion symptoms. And uh, according to Berardino, both players could be done. In fact, he says likely done for the rest of 2018. So uh, Rosario, pretty much a carbon copy of his uh, 20. 17 season a little bit less playing time due to injury this year but uh, if this is the end for uh, Rosario for the season he'll wind up with a 288 batting average 24 homers uh, 77 RBI or RBIs and 87 runs scored so he's really cemented himself as a top 15 outfielder high-end number two outfielder basically for fantasy for next season uh, good to see him follow up last year with, like I said, close to a, a carbon copy of uh, of his breakout season. So looking very legit for Eddie Rosario. Uh, Salvador Perez took Tuesday off due to uh, lingering soreness from his sprained left thumb, according to Rustin Dodd of The Athletic. So we got to check on Perez day to day in terms of uh, how we can use him in our uh, daily fantasy lineups. Jose Abreu looks like he's going to be out for at least a few days. He has been hospitalized with an infection in his right thigh that is uh, due to an ingrown hair. So it's been a rough few weeks for uh, Jose Abreu. He is definitely going to miss the remainder of the White Sox series with the Indians. That's basically your best case scenario. So we'll have to check back in on Abreu uh, before the weekend and see if he's going to be uh, possibly playing next week. Joey Gallo's missed the last couple of days with a bruised toe. According to MLB.com, I don't have any further information on the uh, timetable for him. It doesn't sound too serious. However, Michael Fulmer, definitely out for the rest of the season. He's been diagnosed with a torn right meniscus. uh, So it sounds like surgery is just uh, uh, a formality for him. Uh, Sounds like it's pretty imminent, uh, according to the Detroit Free Press. And in other Tigers news, this uh, item from MLB.com, Jamer Candelario uh, exited Tuesday's game with back spasms, but may only miss a couple of games. Uh, According to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, the Rays are going to call up Austin Meadows on Thursday, so that's tomorrow. Not really sure where the playing time is going to come for Meadows, uh, so I would presume that uh, he'll just be an extra bat off the bench because... Uh, Tommy Pham's been in there uh, regularly. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is healthy. He's playing every day and hitting very well. And Malik Smith, of course, he's healthy. He's been back in there just about every day. So I'm not exactly sure where the playing time is. And, and uh, 
G-Man Choi settling in nicely as the uh, raised DH. So, again, Austin Meadows being called up, but I would not expect very much playing time for him. Uh, just a little bit earlier today on Wednesday, Araldus Chapman, as expected, was activated from the DL, and it's anticipated that he'll uh, just go right into the uh, back to the closers role for the Yankees. It was uh, Zach Britton who actually got the save on Tuesday, but uh, you know, I think for Britton and, and Dylan Batances, uh, David Robertson, you know those who've been filling in, uh, I think it's back back to a full time setup role for. Uh, for all three of those relievers, uh, I would anticipate that, but we shall see with the uh, the next Yankees save chance. There will be no more save opportunities for Brandon Morrow this year. He has been he is now done officially for the season. Was initially uh, anticipated that he could be back as soon as this coming weekend, uh, although was definitely not presumed that he was going to be back in any sort of uh, closer type capacity for the Cubs. But uh, Morrow, he threw a simulation game or simulated game on Saturday, felt worse on Sunday, felt a lot worse on Monday to the point where he went to reach for a coffee cup and could not pick it up. And apparently that was the the last straw for uh, Brandon Morrow and just said, "Okay, it looks like I'm done. So he is done for 2018. And uh, if you've already set your lineups and you're waiting just to check in on the weather, well, you are done too. Uh, barring any kind of uh, injury updates because it doesn't look like there are going to be any games impacted by weather. Uh, no serious chance of precipitation anywhere uh, for first pitch or even a little bit later on in the evening. I'd say the closest we have to that is the Orioles where there's a 1% chance of precipitation for first pitch. Camden Yards against the Blue Jays. Goes up to 15% uh, by 8 p.m. Eastern, but you know that's that's not anything uh, that uh, we should be worried about. So uh, do not wait uh, for another weather update to set your lineups. Just get them set. And uh, that uh, pretty much covers everything in terms of news and weather. So uh, I do want to, as, as I mentioned earlier, take a jump ahead to next week. And again, I'm not going to do a, a sort of a comprehensive look at two-star pitchers, although I will just say that the preliminary look that I've done is not super encouraging. Uh, and part of that is because, uh, I mean, regardless of who might make two starts next week, there's always uncertainty uh, with the last week of the season. Uh, you might, you know, see some teams that aren't already on six-man rotations going to a six-man rotation. Uh, you've got playoff teams uh, that are, some of them still have yet to, re uh or adjust their their rotations to get ready for uh, a potential wild card game or uh a, a divisional series so there's a lot of, of that stuff in play but even that said just in terms of from the pool of potential to start uh pitchers for next week it just doesn't look good at all <laughs> really uh because your, your your options are either you know players that are widely owned that you can't get unless you already own already own them or um just some pretty pretty bad options uh, in terms of reliability for you know your last week of the season when you're actually maybe trying to win a championship. So uh, I will go into it a little bit more in depth on Friday's show, but I do want to look at some of these playoff scenarios uh, as they might affect rotations. Uh, so first of all, actually before before that, I just want to talk about some teams. 
that have seven game schedules, namely the Cubs and the Mariners. Now the Cubs, of course, uh, they're you know almost certainly headed to the playoffs. Uh, but uh, I don't think that's going to, uh, well, I'll put this way, I don't think it's going to affect Mike Montgomery. Now, for uh, Cole Hamels, he potentially could be a two-start pitcher, but I don't think he will be because that second start would land on Sunday and uh, the Cubs, assuming that they're going uh, straight to the NLDS, uh, that they would be playing a game on Thursday, October 4th. So obviously a Sunday start is not going to give him sufficient rest. So uh, the one start that Hamill should get next week would be at home against the Pirates, and that's a nice matchup. So I would not be inclined to bench Hamill's pretty much under any circumstance right now. Uh, but certainly uh, as a one-star pitcher, you don't mind that matchup, and, and you know you can go ahead and start Cole Hamels. Just don't count on getting a second start. In fact, I think it's pretty much a given you're not going to get two starts from Cole Hamels next week. But Mike Montgomery, I don't see any reason right now why he wouldn't get two starts, and he would face not only the Pirates at home but also the Cardinals. Uh, so he stands out as a not one of the better options but a decent option. And again, given what the options are next week, you'll take decent. So put Mike Montgomery uh, on your wherever you, <laughs> wherever it is, your, your scout list or uh, a little piece of paper somewhere or your, your notebook on your phone, whatever it is, uh, you know, jot down his name because uh, he's somebody you should consider for two starts next week. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about Montgomery later. Uh, another name to keep in mind in terms of uh, being on a team with a seven-game schedule next week and therefore being sort of uh, impervious to uh, – you know, weather issues, cancellations, what have you, is Wade LeBlanc. And not only that, but unlike with the Cubs, there's no playoff scenario here. I think, you know, very unlikely anyway, that there's a sort of playoff scenario here that would uh, cause Wade LeBlanc to lose a start. So he looks very, very certain as a two-start pitcher. couple starts at home, which is nice. Uh, starts off with the Athletics, finishes up with the Rangers. So one kind of or actually not kind of, but one tough matchup and one matchup that's sort of leading towards favorable in the Rangers, uh, both at Safeco Field. So while you, you're building that list of two-star pitchers to consider and, and see if they're even available, Wade LeBlanc is somebody uh, to, to consider there. Now, the Giants and A's only have six-game schedules. So there's a little bit more uncertainty with a couple of pitchers right now that would profile as two-star pitchers for them. And, of course, with the A's, then you also have playoff considerations, but I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. That said, for the A's, uh, the, the pitcher who looks like he should get two starts next week is Brett Anderson. And tonight, that is Wednesday night, Brett Anderson's going to face the Angels uh, in Oakland. He uh, should see them again next week in Anaheim. So I kind of like Brett Anderson, even though he did not have a good start at all coming off the DL against the Orioles, underlying a bad result where he didn't even make it through the fourth inning, were some good indicators in terms of getting a lot of chases, getting a lot of soft contact, ground ball contact. Um, that's a formula that should work for Brett Anderson in a two-start week. He's got the Mariners and Angels at home. I like those matchups and the venue a lot. So Brett Anderson... Add him to the list. Again, it's a six-game schedule, so 
if for some reason the A's want to throw another starter in there, that's problematic. But uh, I I would think that Anderson's going to get the both of those starts. And then for the Giants, of course, no playoff consideration there. Uh, I would think that Derek Holland is all but uh, cemented in uh, as a two-star pitcher next week, and he gets two starts at home. You have to love that. Uh, and the first one's against the Padres. Second one's against the Dodgers. And since they'll probably be uh, it's still at that point in the thick of uh, playoff positioning or uh, just even try to get into the postseason, uh, I, I wouldn't expect that Holland's necessarily going to face uh, a lineup full of reserves in that final start. But I still, as a two-star combo, home against the Padres and Dodgers, I like it a lot. So there's a fourth name to add. So, so far we got Mike Montgomery, Wade LeBlanc, Brett Anderson, and Derek Holland all looking very, very secure as two-star pitchers next week and with pretty good situations, uh, you know, matchups, venues, and such uh, for all four. Now, the National League wildcard game is going to be played on uh, Tuesday after the end of the regular season. And so, of course, there's a bunch of teams that are still you know, involved in, in uh, the battle for that. Um, so Kyle Freeland, who otherwise would look like a shoe-in for two starts next week, if the uh, if Bud Black wants to reserve him for the wild card game, and, and you know, I would think Herman Marquez would also be a candidate, but but Freeland, I think he'd be a great choice. <laughs> he'd certainly be in, in contention for that. That may cost him a second start next week. So I think for Freeland, you can only really count on one start at home against the Phillies. That's fine. I would, in almost any format, be absolutely fine with starting Kyle Kyle Freeland with a home start against the Phillies and nothing else. Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller, they uh, either one or maybe both of them may only get one start due to playoff considerations. Jack Flaherty, who actually is pitching right now, or at least uh, was when I started the show. Uh, Braves are leading the Cardinals, by the way. That's at the bottom of the sixth. And, and uh, Flaherty's out of that game. Uh, it wasn't a good, was not a good one for Flaherty. So Braves up 5-2. to two. Good start for Tuki Toussaint, but not a good start for Jack Flaherty, who gave up five runs in four and two-thirds innings. In any event, um, he looks like uh, at best a one-star pitcher next week due to uh, playoff considerations. And for the Brewers, uh, I think you're looking at Chase Anderson and Orgio Gonzalez being limited to a start. Uh, Okay, so I talked a little bit about the NL wild card, the AL, or no, I'm sorry, I did talk about the AL wild card. Uh, I don't think there's an impact there for Oakland I think Brett Anderson looks very safe to get those two starts. But uh, as far as the Yankees rotation goes and how it lines up right now, uh, you could see Luis Severino or Masahiro Tanaka uh, lining up without any sort of playoff uh, rotation considerations, either one of them lining up to get two starts next week. So I think you can only really count on them getting one start with the wild, uh, wild card game coming up uh, on the Wednesday after uh, the the final game of the season. 
Uh, okay, and then I guess the only other uh, teams that I haven't mentioned uh, that you know could potentially have a uh, consideration would be the Red Sox, Indians, and Astros, but uh, they would be playing uh, in the ALDS, and um, that does not begin until Friday, October fifth. So even with the Sunday start, you get you could come right back into Game One there with uh, with full rest. So no worries about uh, you know any of those uh, pitchers uh, for next week. Okay, so uh, that's a, a little bit of a look ahead <laughs> uh, based on and you know maybe this all changes by my Friday show. Who knows? Uh, or certainly by next week. But that's uh, how it's looking right now. So I want to go back to three of the pitchers that I mentioned. Now I, I mentioned already that Brett Anderson he's going to start tonight, Wednesday night. So, uh, again, because his last start against Orioles was, at least in terms of results, not a very good one, uh, you might be a little reluctant to use him with two starts, but pay attention to how Brett Anderson does against the Angels Wednesday night. Because, again, if it doesn't go well, then maybe you should not think about him for next week, but if it does go well, then you can weigh him against your other alternatives. But three pitchers who have pitched in the last couple of days uh, Montgomery, Holland, and LeBlanc. I just want to talk a little bit about each of them. Now, LeBlanc pitched on Monday against the Astros and gave up just one run in five and a third, uh, giving up three hits, three walks with five strikeouts. And he is back to his earlier season form. And uh, way, way back, I want to say maybe early June, I wrote a piece on him uh, for Rotographs, and the title was something along the lines of Wade LeBlanc is doing everything extremely well except getting swings and misses. It was hopefully a little shorter than that, but <laughs> that was the general point of it, that uh, you know he wasn't uh, missing a ton of bats, but the contact he was getting was soft. He was getting uh, batters to go after pitches out of the zone. He was getting batters to lay off pitches that were in the zone. It was a combination of everything that you want to see from a pitcher if you if you couldn't get swings and misses. And um, he's doing it again. Over his last five starts, LeBlanc has a 1.23 ERA. No doubt he has overachieved somewhat. He's got very favorable BABIP and strand rates. But he's got that same formula again of a high chase rate, a high uh, called strike rate, and a uh, low soft, or I'm sorry, rather a high soft contact rate of 23%. So... I really do like him as a two-start option with those home starts against Oakland and Texas next week. Uh, Now, on Tuesday night, Mike Montgomery pitched his best start and longest start in quite a while. He allowed only one run uh, at Arizona over six innings, just one walk, four hits, and eight strikeouts. I don't think you can always count on the strikeouts for Montgomery, and I don't think you can always count on him going six innings. And In fact, over his four previous starts, he uh, went exactly four innings in each of those. So that's it's discouraging if you, if you need a win or a quality start. But let's say that Montgomery next week pitched you know a total of nine innings over two starts. I mean, he still could help you, maybe not so much with strikeouts, but again, with two starts, you know, maybe in nine innings he can give you, I think it's reasonable to expect maybe, you know, seven strikeouts, six or seven strikeouts which is better than you'll get from a lot of one-start pitchers. And you'll, you'll most likely get some good ratios from him as well. So again, he's got home starts against the Pirates and the Cardinals. Uh, so that's Montgomery. And again, coming off of a very good start at Arizona. And then finally, Derek Holland on Tuesday night. 
at the Padres. Not the start you're looking for because great matchup, great venue. Uh, you figure Holland would have had a great start. And he did get six strikeouts in five innings, but he also gave up four runs on five hits and two walks. But I'm going to discount this because you had a good strikeout-to-walk ratio. And this is a real outlier as compared to his previous six starts. Holland uh, has a 1.59 or had a 1.59 ERA over his previous six starts. He had exactly a strikeout per inning, 34 strikeouts, 34 innings. The one troubling sign for Holland, and it doesn't come as any big shock uh, because this has been something that's been a problem for him at times, is the walks. He had 17 of them over those 34 innings. That is a terrible ratio. But um, he still has something of the Wade LeBlanc profile of getting a lot of soft contact. Um, and uh, despite uh, that, that big walk rate, getting a, a chases at a good rate. And the one advantage that Holland does have over LeBlanc is he is much more likely to get the swing and miss and to get the strikeout. So I think he's, he's a, a perfectly good option. And again, just to remind you, Holland has two home starts. I always like that. And one of them is against the Padres. So uh, just to, to catch up on, on those three, there were some other notable uh, pitching and hitting performances from, uh, from Tuesday night's games. So let me get you caught up on those. Uh, it was, we saw the return of Tyler Skaggs. And uh, it's a glass half full, glass half empty story for Tyler Skaggs because he threw no hit ball for three innings. But that was all he threw was three innings. He was limited to 51 pitches, uh, so no hits, no runs, uh, three strikeouts, a couple of walks. A nice but short outing for Tyler Skaggs. Uh, you figure that pitch count's going to go up. He's got probably two more starts left. He's currently scheduled to face the Astros in Houston this Sunday. And then that would give him one start next week at home against Oakland. So, you know, watch Tyler Skaggs this weekend, see how deep he goes into the game, see how well he pitches, because he might be a potential one-start option uh, for next week, even with a pretty tough matchup against the A's. Uh, Steven Matz has uh, had a a bit of a resurgence uh, late in the season here. Uh, That continued on Tuesday night against the Phillies in Philadelphia. Five uh, shutout innings for Matz. He did walk five batters, and that's not terribly surprising. I I talked about uh, Derek Holland and the issues he sometimes has with walks. Last time I recall talking about Steven Matz on this program, I was talking about how he just doesn't get very many swings. And unfortunately, that includes not very many swings on pitches that are out of the zone. So it's not a huge surprise when he, he walks a bunch of batters. But he only gave up two uh, two hits, struck out four, also homered, by the way, his second homer of the year. Uh, and so now over his last six starts, Steven Matz has a 2.29 ERA. He's got more than a strikeout per inning, 39 of them over 35 and a third innings and just 12 walks. So while he, he did walk a bunch of batters against the Phillies, he is getting those swings outside the zone more than he was for most of the season. And he's getting swings and misses during the six-start stretch at a 12% rate. Those are all really encouraging signs for Steven Matz. Really, really good to see. Uh, so has not really been fantasy relevant for most of the year. But um, he's got the, the Nationals in Washington on Sunday. So he's a potential option, perhaps. 
in a daily lineup league, obviously too late to get that start for a weekly lineup league. And then that would also uh, line Matt's up as a one-star pitcher next week. And you got to like this at home against the Marlins. You know, the only thing you'd like better is if it was a Miami, but Steven Matz, along with Tyler Skaggs, potential one-start option for next week. Now, I don't know what we can expect from uh, Josh James. Uh, he made a spot start on Tuesday. It was tremendous. Um, I don't know that, that he's going to get another start. And this was kind of a, I don't want to say last minute, but um, I believe the change to the rotation was made on Monday by A.J. Hinch to put James in there. And that was to get Charlie Morton pushed back. Well, also Garrett Cole pushed back a couple days and Charlie Morton pushed back to this Sunday. So I would imagine that we could see James again sometimes, sometime next week. And it would be nice if we could find out about that before we set lineups uh, on Monday. But we're just going to have to wait on that. But in any event, against the Mariners, James went five and a third, did not give up a run, allowed four hits, two walks, and seven big strikeouts. So uh, really Great start for for James, who uh, had a fantastic season in the minors this year. So that's a whole lot of pitcher talk. Uh, let me uh, wind up here talking about just a handful of hitters. And, of course, we have to start with Aaron Judge. And I can't believe I'm almost half an hour into this show. And I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I've mentioned Aaron Judge yet. So he came back. Uh, of course, he's been off the DL for a few days, but came back as a hitter in the lineup uh, against the Red Sox and went 0 for 4 with a strikeout. So... A little bit of a thud there for Aaron Judge. Um, I did go ahead and start him this week. So uh, hopefully better things ahead for him. But um, yeah, first game, not really helping you that much. But still good to see Aaron Judge back in the Yankees lineup. Uh, Mario Gonzalez has been just absolutely scorching hot. And he continued that on Tuesday against the Mariners. Uh, two for three with his 16th home run of the year. And since the 1st of August, Gonzalez is batting 299, has 10 home runs, and <laughs> this is incredible, a 55-0% hard contact rate. So we're talking about a stretch of, of the season now that's really a little more than a quarter of the season. And Marlon Gonzalez is scorching opposing pitchers for a 50%, 5-0. I'm going to say, say that again because it's, it's, it's just hard to believe. Of course, 15% would be hard to believe, too, in a bad way. But 50% hard contact rate for Marlon Gonzalez. So if he's somehow available, pick him up. If he's, uh, you know, if you've been benching him, don't. I, I actually doubt if you, if you own him, you've been benching him because you're very likely aware of how much uh, he's been producing and playing very regularly as well. And then finally, a couple of players who are probably just about universally available that you might consider for this last week and a half of the season. Uh, one is Pablo Reyes of the Pirates, who went two for five on Tuesday against the Royals, uh, made his first uh, stolen base attempt in the majors, and unfortunately was not a successful one, but has some speed, could be a little bit of a help in, in deeper leagues with uh, stolen bases maybe over the last uh, few days here. He's also off to a great start. He's gone 10 for 23 for the Pirates. Uh, granted, playing mostly against lefties, but if you're thinking about weekly leagues here, the first four games for the Pirates next week are all against the Cubs, and they are all, uh, at this point, scheduled against left-handed starters. So that could be a nice opportunity for Pablo Reyes to help you. And again, we're talking pretty deep league here, but um, you, you know, you're know you going to see... Uh, 
yeah, I, I don't think you're, you're going to be happy to see uh, Cole Hamels, but against Mike Montgomery, uh, Jose Quintana, John Lester. I mean, none of these are great matchups, but, uh, you know, for somebody who uh, is hitting lefties well, maybe, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for Pablo Reyes to do something. And then finally, <laughs> blast from the past, uh, literally a blast, uh, Peter O'Brien. Uh, it seems like he's been around for a long time, but actually he's really not been around as, as long as, as I thought. Made his major league debut in uh, 2015, uh, just a literal, literal cup of coffee with the Diamondbacks. I mean, not literal. I shouldn't say that. Uh, I'm sure he was there to do more than just have a cup of coffee. But uh, a very limited appearance for uh, him back in 2015. Got his only, you know, semi-real shot at playing time the following season. And then had a, a, a rough 2017 in the minors. And I think, you know, he's he's now, he's well, he's 28 years old. So, you know, definitely not a prospect anymore. But I actually kind of thought he was a little bit older than that, to be honest. And uh, made some strides this year. Brought brought. He doesn't have a great strikeout rate, but brought it down a bit. And the power came back after a not very good year last year in terms of power. And so you know, Marlins have called him up late in the season. Uh, not getting, I would say, quite regular playing time as of yet. But maybe he's going to work his way into that. I don't really see what the Marlins, you know, have to lose at this point by not seeing what Peter O'Brien could do over this last week and a half. On Tuesday, he went two for two, also walked twice, hit his third homer uh, in just 32 plate appearances for the Marlins, and he's hitting 308. And again, uh, the strikeout rate, kind of bordering on respectable here. Nine strikeouts and 32 plate appearances. It's not good, but it, you know, better than you might fear it would be for Pete O'Brien and hitting with tons of power and just going for it. You know, pulling the ball, hitting lots of flies, ball, fly balls. So... I think there's an opportunity for Peter O'Brien, uh, again, particularly in a deeper league, maybe to to give you a little push in uh, home run and and power uh, home run and, and uh, run production uh, in that final week. Just something to think about, and and let's definitely see if he uh, plays a little bit uh, more regularly going into next week, because um, that would obviously make him a, a much more uh, attractive uh, waiver option for you. So. That uh, wraps up uh, the, the action from Tuesday. Like I said, there's some day baseball going on here on Wednesday. Hope you're enjoying it. And, of course, a uh, nice, uh, healthy slate of night games as well. But I will be back here on the podcast uh, this coming Friday. So I hope you tune in then. Uh, I will take a deeper look at two-star pitchers and get you ready for the final week. All right, everybody. Have a great time watching baseball. Take care, and I'll be back on Friday.